awesome. Another episode of Technical Explanation Show. I am here with Rex Anderson. Rex hails out of Texas. Uh, Rex, give them a give them a wave and say something so the camera picks you up. Hey, how's everybody doing? Glad to be here, Bryce. And it's an honor uh, to to be uh, from Texas, out of Texas, the past twenty years, and representing Texas wrestling and Texas wrestling officiating. It's an honor to be here, and looking forward to to putting this together. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, no, thank you. Uh, you're helping me with my goal. Uh, I get to check Texas off. I hope I talk to a whole bunch more officials, but this is uh, helping me check off one of the 50 states that I'm trying to do. want to get all 50 states done, uh, not in 2021, but in 365 days from like 48 days ago when we started. So thank you. Um, gosh, tell the folks, like it's been a whirlwind for me um, talking with so many new people doing like uh, we did that pre-screen call and then um, some emails, uh, files all that stuff and then now we're here finally which is awesome uh just tell me about like how, how we got connected and then like why you're like yeah i'll go talk to this guy i never met about wrestling <laughs> sure sure no and and I, and I appreciate that bryce uh, putting putting it all together uh to be totally honest with you a couple of uh, buddies of mine uh were, were on your show kind of in the beginning harry mcdonald fred feeney uh very close with both of them called called many of hundreds of matches and tournaments and events with both of them out of the Ohio area and look up to both of them and still consider them mentors and, and peers uh, to me as well. So I listened to their podcast and their interviews that you had with them. And coincidentally, not, not uh, a day or even a week later, uh, you put out a call for contacts kind of around the country. I think I contacted you, told you I was interested, be more than glad to do it. At the same time, uh, my buddy Feeney, um, also tagged me in, in one of your posts and uh, had you contact. And I think by then we had already had our first phone call. So uh, it, it's neat how the community, although as big as we are, is incredibly small and, and uh, in touch with each other. And so, so again, I think it's a great opportunity. And again, if you're looking for square miles, you know, covering Texas, uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to encompass probably 15 to 20 States. If you yes, do it by sir. square miles. So yes, take sir. a look at it that way. Hey, just uh, in the in the spirit of full transparency, I may have been working you from both angles. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> all might, good. I might it's have been. Um, just met Harry actually. That was my first show. Um, okay. And, that, and that's you just said family, like or this the wrestling community. I'm sorry, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's the coolest thing about it. Like you wrestle, it doesn't matter like what level of success you've uh, achieved. You have that shared bond, and so like I put out that call, and then. Uh, you know, Harry's awesome. Uh, Feeney, I had to remind him <laughs> that he's called my matches when I was in high school. Like, no, I'm sorry. And, and, and him and my dad <laughs> probably have gotten into it too because my dad was a coach too. Um, but it's pretty cool, like when you're younger, uh, how you view an official versus when you get a little bit older. And then, like, I'm asking a favor of them now <laughs> instead of like, hey, let me wrestle on the edge, bud. You know, uh, so it's sure. pretty cool. And Fred, I can't say enough about him. Like he's helping me put some cool stuff together. So um, what tournaments do you, are you surfing uh, Super 32 with Harry? Or? Uh, I, I've, uh, gosh, I, I'm trying to think of Harry and, and a guy named George Dixon out of the South Carolina area. Started calling with him 20 years ago. We, we called everything from uh, NCWA club wrestling nationals uh, to, to, uh, to even, you know, larger tournaments, national duels those types of things that, that we all uh, kind of called together, got hooked up with Harry through George and uh, Harry and I've seen each other at several tournaments around the year, national duels, college, national duels. Um, I'm trying to think of NCWA national duels, Wheaton, uh, Harry and I've called it Wheaton several times, which is a, a large D three tournament out of the Chicago area. And as Fred Feeney constantly reminds me every year, it's the longest running uh, wrestling tournament in the United States, other than the D one nationals uh, Wheaton is. And so, it's an honor to continue to do the wheat tournament year after year. And uh, I think I've been there now 12 years in a row uh, at Wheaton. It's just a great, great D3 tournament. Wow. How, you have any idea, like approximate, no, no, like how many years then to make you this, make it the second longest tournament? Like, I, Yeah, I have no, no. idea. I'm going to look it I, up. Fred, I think Fred knows because he probably called the very first one. He's uh, <laughs> uh, Fred's, I'm just kidding, Fred Feeney. He's, no, uh, no. Yeah. Fred's been around it with Coach Grunewald there at Wheaton. And so, absolutely would have the history there it's the pete wilson uh you know uh, uh tournament there but but yeah it's a fantastic d3 tournament i gotta say this just because i think it's funny and and fred will, fred will give me some junk for it too but yeah he's around Love he was around when the dead sea was just sick right 
He was, uh, you know, I think we were wrestling in fig leaves back in the day. So, um, again, you know this, but for fans of this technical explanation show, I'm not sure if it's the first time you tuned in. If it is, welcome. Glad to have you here. But um, the whole purpose of the show is a, a couple purposes. Um, it's really to sh- uh, shed light on wrestling officials because without them, there is no competition. If you want to argue with me, that's fine. You'll turn blue in the face before I give up on that point. Um, it, and, um, you know, there's, there's some things going on that we need to address. So that's what we're trying to do um, before it's too late. Uh, but the other thing is, is tell these stories. Um, as human beings, we just like stories, right? Like think about it back at the earliest civilizations. How did you learn like where you lived and stuff, right? You, you didn't read a book. Like people told you a story, like if they told you, you wouldn't remember it, but if you put in a story, you remember it. So it's to tell those memorable stories. So I want to start with your wrestling story. Do you remember your earliest or what's the earliest wrestling experience that you can remember? Uh, wrestling experience. My earliest experience was starting YMCA wrestling as a four-year-old in Ponca City, Oklahoma. I'm, I'm from Oklahoma. Ponca City is my hometown. Uh, if you're uh, obviously in the wrestling community, especially around Oklahoma, you're very familiar with Ponca City. Uh, several Olympic champions have, have, come from, uh, have come from the Ponca City and Ponca City area. Uh, Ponca City, Perry, Stillwater, Oklahoma State area, all within about 35 miles of each other there. Uh, you know, Doug Bluebaugh, Shelby Wilson, the Wilson family, the Bluebaugh family, you know, all Olympic champions uh, were, were just were just uh, bred and, and graduated all from Ponca City, Oklahoma. I remember uh, wrestling uh, all the way through junior high and high school with uh, these Olympic champions sitting up in the very top row of the stands and being aware of their presence and having them there. And I was a mediocre wrestler at best, uh, but, but I loved it. I loved the family that was created by there. I loved the technical side of it, which is obviously what brought me into officiating. And uh, so when I graduated high school, uh, was uh, very close to one of the officials there, a, a, a NCAA official by the name of David Kincaid, who also lived in Ponca City. He was a veterinarian, a very successful vet, veterinarian in Ponca City, Oklahoma. And uh, David took me on a couple of my first trips. He said, hey, come on, let's go. We uh, did a couple of uh, high school tournaments in Geary, Oklahoma, and in Perry, Oklahoma, which are two of the largest uh, continually still running wrestling tournaments uh, in, in the country. And then also took me to my first NCAA events at Southwest Missouri State, uh, Central Oklahoma. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, so I got started on the college level right out of the gate and I wasn't worth a darn. Um, but, but uh, you know, getting thrown into the fire, head first into the fire on the collegiate level got you prepared pretty quickly for the kind of heat that you were going to take. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff I'd like to talk about today is, you know, being given opportunities and deciding at that time what you want to make out of those opportunities. So, uh, you know, straight out of that got me involved in, in officiating on the front end. And I was, I was maybe 18, 19 years old, right out of high school when I started officiating wrestling. And uh, uh, several years later, moved to the city of Houston, uh, where I was in law enforcement and a police officer there and got involved in the uh, wrestling community in Houston, which in Texas at that time was in very much in its infancy. Uh, wrestling had just come out of the private school sector and was getting, uh, getting popular in the public schools. And this is early 2000s, around uh, 2001, 2002, and uh, got hooked up with the local association there, very small at the time. Uh, as as uh, one, of the, one of the biggest kudos to Texas wrestling, Bryce, is that, uh, you know, due to Title IX, um, uh, Title IX laws at the time, uh, Texas already had girls and boys wrestling separate. And so uh, it, those familiar with Title IX says that for every boy's sport, you have to have a girl's sport as well in the schools and, and Texas at the time was already separated. So as other schools and, and I'm sorry, as other states were dropping programs because they couldn't match up enough female sports with male sports, Texas was adding programs. And here we are 20 years later and Texas continues to add programs at a monumental rate so much that I don't have enough officials to cover all the events, even though uh, last uh, the year before COVID, we had 285 registered officials in the state of Texas, and we still could not cover all of our events. So wrestling is strong in Texas. The number of programs are strong in Texas. And a large part of that is due to the advent of female wrestling, girls wrestling on the high school, women's wrestling in the college levels. And again, if you start looking at a lot of the recruits uh, on the college side, you're going to see a large handful uh, of those being from Texas, hailing from Texas. And then one of our proudest, uh, proudest monumental wrestlers uh, just won, a, won an Olympic medal 
uh, right at, at the gold level. So nope. she made us proud and, and hails, hails from Houston, hails from Katy, which is where I'm from, refereed several of her high school matches. So just a great, great story that I've been lucky to be involved in. Awesome, man. There's a lot there to unpack, and I want to dive into a few of the different things. Um, so you mentioned you know, you're pretty young. You started at four in the YMCA. Um, that's a common theme uh, with <clears throat> at least the first – this is like I think 15 or 16. I can't keep track of them, man. I got so many shows to get live. Um, but anyhow, like you're young, and you mentioned like this is this hotbed of like these – great wrestlers like were you like was that like would you see them if you went to a wrestling tournament would you see them as a little kid or like were you exposed to that greatness or yeah sure absolutely our our junior highs at the time in northern oklahoma we had two junior highs that fed into the one high school so we only had one high school at the time and ponca city was an oil driven town the home of conoco and so so we had a pretty good population around thirty-five thousand people in, in the city that I was from. And again, we're, we're 40 miles north of Stillwater, where Oklahoma State is. And so, and, and we're even closer to Perry, Oklahoma, Blackwell, Oklahoma, uh, Newkirk, you know, where Mark Branch is from and, and wrestled and was a multiple time uh, state tournament, or, you know, state champion, uh, you know, uh, coaching at Wyoming. Now, you know, I mean, they're, they're just, it just, uh, it would just oozed wrestling. You know, basketball wasn't as strong, obviously, in Northern Oklahoma as wrestling was. And um, and so you were just around it all day as a junior high wrestler. We would practice with the high school all the time. Camps, AAU, you know, freestyle, Greco-Roman uh, year round. You were exposed to it. And so it just it just kind of got in your blood and you got involved. In it. it didn't make me much of a better wrestler. I still wasn't as good as what I wanted to be or as what I thought I was in my head. Um, but but however, it, it formed strong bonds, many of which I still have today. And even several of those that I still officiate with today that were wrestling partners uh, with me in, in junior high. You know, a coach in Texas was my wrestling partner. A coach in Midwest City, Oklahoma was my wrestling partner. Uh, you know, an official who was my wrestling partner uh, is still an official out of Perry, Oklahoma today. So, you know, the, those bonds and family ties are, are made early on and continue throughout our lives. You mean to tell me that wrestling talent doesn't get transferred through osmosis? You have to actually it's, work hard? Uh, not, uh, not in my case, it wasn't. Uh, no, yeah. sir. Yeah, me neither, man. Um, hey, all right. So police officer, I want to, I'm going to touch on that a little bit. You are not the first police officer I've had on the show that is an official. Um, I've also had quite a few, um, that, uh, have a military background as well. And I just think it's kind of neat, like, you know, not too many shows in, but to see kind of, there's the consistency of like wrestling, holding everyone together, obviously. Um, but then to see so many folks that like chose um, a profession of service, I guess. And then I think of rest, uh, officiating wrestling as a service too, right? I mean, you're not getting rich. You don't have to do it. Um, <laughs> you get a little verbally abused sometimes. Uh, but then someone, one of my guests just said, they're like, a lot of these guys don't work in public facing um, businesses, right? Maybe a desk job or, or something, but the folks that are like bankers or uh, customer service or sales or police officers or uh, military, they have to work with people. Like sure. in, in those last three, if they don't, your safety's compromised. So I think that just says about a, the kind of person that looks at doing this, um, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I think that's just so neat, but it says something about you and all those other folks. A shout out. I'm going to miss so many people, but Sean Petty was one of my first guests and he, he was a Marine, did two tours, came back, became a police officer for like 20 more years then retired. And he's like, oh, I'll officiate and I'll uh, be an umpire and I'll do all this stuff. And I'm just like, man, that's, that's cool. Anyhow, that was, that's mine. Uh, Bo Nickel, He's from Texas too, right? Bo Nickel is from Texas. I think, you know, Bo started out his early career in New Mexico, if I remember right, but then came to Texas uh, into high school. And, and again, everyone knows the Bo Nickel story and even as successful as he is now moving into the next realm, but he came, he came through Texas, came through our state tournament and, uh, and uh, was, was quite left quite a legacy in his wake for sure. I gotta ask you a question. So about gosh, his senior year, I mean, he was on a tear. I don't, he didn't like lose a match. If you lose a match for like in two years, I don't know, maybe one. 
Um, uh, yeah, I don't remember his exact record, but but uh, he won know, many. But everybody was aware of everybody was aware of him and, and his you, uh, and his talents. Do you remember his hair though? Like the one year at Penn State, he like dyed it blue, right? And so uh, I get to uh, do youth tournaments, mostly uh, 12U, and it was almost like uh, eight, like eight years after Kale Sanderson won his his fourth. You look at a bracket, there's six Kales. <laughs> like every kid had right. blue hair. Everyone, and, and I'm yep. just like, that's the impact. We're in Ohio. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like yeah. we shouldn't like Penn State. <laughs> and, sure. and, you know what I mean. But it's just those 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 athletes that have that impact, like wrestling, when it goes beyond that. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. And then with the Title IX stuff, which is kind of funny, because this is uh, the second time Title IX's come up today. So I don't know if you're listening or whatever. My Apple or my Amazon device is streaming what I'm talking about out there. But I mean, what are you seeing there? Is it still growing at that pace because you guys are set up for success? Uh, the female, you know, ladies and women's and girls wrestling, or is it plateaued? Or what do you? It, see no, no, it? it's it's still absolutely growing. As long as our population is growing in the state. And as long as schools continue to be added, wrestling is an easy add because, you know, obviously it adds a, a girl's sport and a boy sport at the same time. It's, you know, typically back in my day, you know, if you had football, you had to have girls volleyball. And if you had basketball, well, you could add both of those. You had baseball and softball for boys and girls. Um, but but wrestling wouldn't get added unless you had that other girl sport that could go along with it. And when I first moved to Texas, girls wrestling was new to me. Uh, and this is in 2002, right? Growing up, if girls wanted to wrestle, they had to wrestle boys uh, in the same uh, competition level in the same tournaments and things like that. When I came to Texas, they were separate. So I, I still remember the first girls match and the first tournament that I officiated with girls in it. It was tough. I mean, you, at the time, 20 years ago, I was an official who would put your hand on their shoulder to stop them. You'd blow the whistle, whatever. And uh, as, a, as a male official, first seeing two girls wrestle at the same time, I had to totally change my style. It made me back up quite a bit. It made me stop touching wrestlers all around, uh, which was a good mechanic, you know, to, to get away from uh, just, just because of the comfort level that was there and the perception that may be there as well. But, but what it's done for the wrestling community and the exposure of wrestling is, is invaluable. We cannot put a price or a value on the importance of girls wrestling and women's wrestling um, as it relates to Texas, the United States, and even the world moving forward and I'm talking on an Olympic scale and it's just great to be a part of it in, in the state of Texas. And I'm so proud of the programs that we have here. I mean, we have, we have girls programs that have won state tournaments, you know, for, for eight, seven, eight, ten 10 years in a row, just because uh, what it does is, is as you're aware in, in every other state, once you start getting some of that fame and notoriety, um, then wrestling breeds success and, and success breeds more success. And so those girls start getting involved earlier at the youth level, the junior high level, at the camps and the programs around the state. And so you just, you just basically build a dynasty and uh, we're very well aware of it. And, and hopefully every now and then, you know, a surprise team comes from around the corner and starts to be very successful. And it's great to see several of these coaches, even coming in from out of the state, building their own programs. And many of them start on the girls side and find success on the girls side uh, because there's so many willing participants and it's great. And, and Bryce, I can't tell you how heartwarming it is um, for, for me now as a dad who has a daughter who's 24 years old uh, to, to see girls who may be a little bit bigger in weight and, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking a balance beam here of trying to say the right thing but but to to see an athletic female participating in sports that she's able to show her talent show her strength show her adversity and her and her perseverance in the amount of time that she puts in and the strength that she puts on and the technique that she learns to be successful yet you know, we're not concentrating on just females who weigh 105 pounds. You know, these, these are these are competitors who are able to be successful at all weights throughout the spectrum in NFHS on the high school side and to see them win and win repeatedly due to the amount of work and, and preparedness that they put in. It's it's just uh, it, it's heartwarming. That's all I can say. Dude, that's awesome. I can't I can't imagine I'm not I'm not a parent. But that's a really cool perspective, actually to consider. And I always like hearing different perspectives because I will think about that later. I do promise you that. But sure. yeah, I mean, it's, it took us a while. Obviously, Texas had a little bit different of a path. Ohio, we're not sanctioned yet. There's 33 states that are sanctioned. Um, one of my, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say one of my favorite episodes. I love them. They're all my favorites. But I had a great episode with uh, Vanessa Oswald, senior level woman. She, she trained in the first ever 
female with the first ever female team um and to have have her perspective on there and then brian nicola and um mark neiman this is from columbus ohio sure they started a program three years ago so right before covid and um a lot of what you're just saying they said and it's one of the things is it's it's neat when someone says something and you're like huh that makes a lot of sense but then when you hear two or three other people that you respect and that have been doing things for a while and doing them right and they say the other thing that's when you're like the pieces start to click and one of the things I picked up from them was you know we started this program and the girls had to wrestle with the boys right I mean that's just what it is it's a it's a logistics nightmare right I mean do you have two locker rooms when you schedule practices you have two wrestling rooms all of that stuff right I'm glad I don't have to think about that sure they said when we went and said and we walked the halls and we said to these girls and said, hey, would you like to come up for wrestling? And by the way, you don't have to wrestle with the guys. It's just all girls. They said 20, 20 kids the next year from wow. six. So it's amazing what happens when you just give people a seat at the table. Right? Sure, sure. Because if you've never seen anything in your life, um, like if you've never seen someone that looks like you, that has the same sort of, you know, lifestyle or let's just say the same gender that's what i'm saying um and you never see a successful woman win a gold medal or four or five, what do we win four medals uh, in the yeah. olympics and then like four yeah. at the world if you never see that how in your head could you be like i could do that sure. but then when you do see it now that change that narrative changes like could be me yeah um, yeah so that and that's going to be it's going to save our sport it really is. Because think about I, all, I the, all, all the women that could be officials. I, I agree. And and we're, you know, it's a great, great segue. If you don't mind me taking off with that. This one. is your time, man. I'm just here. <laughs> I, hey, listen, women's women's officiating in Texas is alive and well and, and coming on. We, uh, we uh, I've, I've just looked through my registration numbers for our state yesterday. And Texas is separated into seven chapters. Obviously a huge, huge state, second only to uh, to Alaska. And square miles uh, and and footage there, but but they got uh, much wrestling up in Alaska. We, I, you know, they do have wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I, I I would bet that we still have them in numbers. <laughs> I think you got them um, yeah. on, on that side. But uh, you know, we're separated into seven chapters, and I was looking at our very smallest chapter. Obviously, everyone's familiar with the metro areas: Houston, Dallas, El Paso, Austin, San Antonio, uh, Amarillo. But our smallest chapter is in the valley, the Rio Grande Valley, which is the very southern tip of Texas. Uh, down where, you know, Mexico meets Texas on the southern end, right on the Gulf of Mexico area. And uh, as of yesterday, we have 10 females registered out of that chapter alone. Um, just out of that chapter, we have 10 females registered. Um, and, and so our numbers on the female side are, are increasing very much. It's my job and it's our job as an association to retain them, make sure that they're trained, they're mentored, they're guided, they're protected, um, and, and, and given the opportunity to advance as well. And I think Texas does a great job in that. Um, on the other side of that, we've had two females here in the state of Texas officiate the state tournament. Most recently, we, we had a, a female who's called the last two state tournaments, an ex-military uh, 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 and ex-wrestler also. Uh, she came in. Uh, and, what was and her name again? I'm sorry? Do you know her name? Uh, her name is Kim Hernandez. Uh, Kim's out of our San Antonio chapter and is actually the president of the San Antonio chapter, just voted in this year. But last year, she was voted in to do her first state tournament. And here in Texas, we take 30, 30 officials to the state tournament. And uh, she, she ranked number 15 in her very first year officiating. And so she was invited back last year as well, voted back in and, uh, and uh, ranked also top 15 last year in the officials. And so a very, very good official. And, and the reason for that, um, the several reasons for that, obviously, is the amount of time and effort that she puts in a good wrestling background. She was a, she was a successful wrestler in high school, but uh, she, she asked the right questions, right? And she was a sponge. Where do I need to go? How do I get exposure? Who do I need to talk to? And kind of our, our mentoring, our whole mentoring style here in Texas is go out and see as many officials as you can. Get as much exposure as you can rather than saying, hey, Bryce, follow me. I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. I want you to be a mirror and a protege of me. We're saying exactly the opposite. Go find 20 people. Watch 20 people officiate. You take a little bit of his, a little bit of hers, a little bit of theirs, what you see on the internet, what you see on YouTube videos, watch, you know, some of the wrestling shows and things like that. And then out of that, you create your own style, what's comfortable for you. Try things, 
Try things in those tournaments, in those consolation matches. Try some different positioning, some different techniques. Find out what it is. And Kim's traveling the country now, going to, to, to Las Vegas, to South Dakota, South Carolina, um, all across the country, getting that exposure. And people around the country now know her name. But more than they know her name, they know her abilities and her talents. And we're lucky to have her here. And we're just we're going to make sure that uh, she doesn't go outside the state lines for as long as we're involved. Dude, you wrap that up perfectly because <clears throat> obviously that's the, and rightfully so the, the camera's on, on you when you're talking, but I'm like over <laughs> here, like writing all these notes down. Uh, Fantastic. I even highlighted it uh, off of line. I'm putting it out in the ether. So I hold myself responsible, Rex. Um, sure. Uh, we got to connect. I got to figure out what you're doing that no one else can figure out in Texas. Um, you got it. Because we're trying. I, I, I know I'm going to get this wrong. because Some people have told me, but to my knowledge, we have one female official in the entire state of wrestling. Now, I'm going to make some uh, outrageous claims here, uh, but I think we're one of the top five states as far as all Americans every year at the D1 level. I, I'm not keeping track of D2, D3, um, but I mean, you look at even, I'm, I'm loving on Ohio here, but you got, you know, David Taylor, Logan Steber, Jay sure, Bergman, sure. you know, how yeah. put some, some people out there. Without um, a doubt but we just can't seem to to figure that out um so i'm going to connect with you on sure. that because it, it shouldn't be the thing um but you said another you said another thing and this day has just been awesome by the way um because it's just been talking wrestling all day sweet but Great. um what a gig it's not bad man <laughs> uh uh but um one of the guests that i spoke with today was talking about female officials. Uh, actually, his name is uh, Bill Olson. He's in Minnesota. And he was talking about, you know, when the first time he had kind of interactions um, with female officials and, and female wrestlers, and he said, the biggest difference is that they ask questions. They want to know details. Um, you know, it's not, all right, it's an outside step and then cut the corner and drive across now it's it's an outside outside step my right hand is going to go to his bicep and this is why i'm doing that because i'm pulling down and i'm pushing sure. up at the same time sure. but they they want to understand and, and i think that i think what that says is that and we all know this that men and women think differently so why do we if that's true and i believe it is why would we think we can do the exact same things um to teach people their own style to officiate or to recruit them when they think completely different. So I think maybe what you're doing there is like empowering people. You're essentially letting them be autonomous and saying, hey, do your own thing. We're gonna do it right, develop your own style. And by the way, this is how you can do it. But you know, if you wanna right. do it a different way. Really it is, cool, Bryce, and, it, and, it's, and it's, you know, not only that, it's not only getting, you know, there's several different steps to retaining an official. First of all is the recruitment, getting them to sign up, getting them interested, showing them that they can sign up, how easy it is, but also that they're going to be mentored. They're going to be mentored. They're going to be guided, protected on that. And then finally, given opportunities, they're going to be given solid opportunities that mean that mean a lot. You know, opportunities at varsity wrestling. You know, what what is their goal? Sit down with them. Find out what their goals are has been very successful for us here in Texas. We ask that of all of our officials, especially when they start out. And, and, you know, is what is your goals? How are those going to change? Is your goal to finally officiate a varsity event one of these days? Yes. You know, then after that, change your goals. I want to do a district tournament. I want to do a regional tournament. I'd love to see the state tournament one time in my life. Great. I'd love to call a college match at some level. Great. Is providing these opportunities, but also giving them the mentorship and the, and the leadership and the guidance uh, to be able to get there and be successful so that they can stay there. Right. That, that's been very important. Uh, to us to show them uh, oftentimes and, and i'll throw this out there's probably going to be very con controversial especially with my male colleagues but we've got to, as males we've got to put our ego on the side a little bit and and realize not only for females but for all new officials and all young officials that i'm bringing this young official in it's my job to guide them and mentor them and you know what they might be better than me they might pass me up they might do at 26 what it took me to do at 38 years old you know, on that level, if we can put that ego aside, give them those opportunities, we're going to be paid back a whole lot more, uh, you know, in, 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 in good karma and, and, and success of the sport, success of officiating than we would be if we bring them in and we only teach them enough to not be quite as good as what we are, right? We're teaching them the 80% of what we know 
and still keeping them back. And that's what I think Texas has done. And I'm not taking any credit for this. Um, that's what Texas has done is our chapters are giving the opportunities for we're putting together a good mentoring program and a training program and then having opportunities for these female officials and young officials every year to be able to succeed. We've got we, in our state bylaws, we actually have it written into our state bylaws uh, that 15 percent of new of officials every year at the state tournament must be first year state tournament officials, not new officials. Right. They, they're not rookies. But to the state tournament, so we're guaranteeing that we at least turn over 15 percent. And some oftentimes it's more. Oftentimes we've had 20 percent new officials uh, coming to the state tournament. So we are guaranteeing that we are putting in new blood to the state tournament every single year. And uh, that, again, it's just worked out. Now, that's not to say that we're not putting people in uh, that. It's not to say that we're putting people in who are not worthy or not qualified. They are. They've been they've uh, they've been tested. They've been tried. They've been evaluated. They've been successful at that. However, that's our goal to ensure, you know, the future of, of Texas wrestling officiating uh, stays strong and is not just a bunch of, you know, 65 year old uh, guys who are going to retire in the next year. How does uh, <clears throat> just I'm trying to understand. Uh, so first, before I get that other one, how many divisions are there in Texas? There's two. We just said we separated. I want to say maybe six or seven years ago, we separated into a uh, 5A and a 6A. Uh, uh, grouping or 4A, 5A. I don't remember. I don't remember what letter it is, but we just separated about six or seven years ago into two classes. You used to be one. We used to be one. And hey, this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox again. It was great when we were one class. It was a lot of, it was a lot of wrestling, right? But what it did, Bryce, is it had one true state champion, right? You didn't have four state champions, which I'm not saying there's not anything wrong with that. Um, but you, if you were the state champion of Texas, uh, you know, when Bo Nickel wrestled, he, he was the, he was the state champion of Texas, right? It's like California. Uh, Brandon, I mean, you, you know, in California, Brandon, you're the king. That's it. There's 15 that's it. Kings. You know, Brandon, Brandon Slay, another, you know, another state champion out, oh, out of Texas. You know, we've had some tremendous names, but then we separated into two classes. The good side of that now is we're putting twice as many wrestlers at the state tournament. So, you know, there's definitely advantages to that. Um, but, but uh, yeah, so two classes and we run a, a 16 man bracket at the state tournament every year out of four different regions. So the top four qualifiers out of four regions come to state. Yeah. I mean, that that's awesome, man. I mean, I didn't know that. It's like you said, it's a huge state two divisions. Um, sure. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Ohio, there's three. It's been that way as long as I've been alive. I, shoot. Back in the seventies, it was too, I think. Sure. Um, and, you know, there's two sides to every coin, right? I mean, so like with uh, Texas seven years ago, uh, now twice as many people are getting a look at college. For sure. Many opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and we're having more participants, right? You know, if, you, if you've just now doubled your chance of, of being able to, to hit the state tournament. So it, it's great exposure for sure. Yeah, but I hear you on the one division thing. I really do. I can see arguments from both sides, not arguments. They're suggestions, right? We all want. I can too. We all want the best product, like sure, as fans sure. and spectators or whatever thing is. But th there is something to say about one division, and um, I'm a little biased here. But we uh, there's an organization in Ohio called the Ohio Athletic Committee, and uh, they started like 20 something years ago, uh, and the goal was we want to keep Ohio's level of wrestling where it is and make it better. Now, people that have gone through this tournament, uh, David Taylor was a two-time champ, one division. Uh, Log Logan Stever, two-time champ before we had grade school. Now there's like seven, Jay Jaggers. Um, yeah. like, I mean, and so I can see like you win that tournament and you're in seventh grade, like the future could be pretty good, you know, pretty good. Um, and there's something to say about that, right? Like I'm the king, you know, but yeah, that's awesome. So you said before we got into that, how does, um, and let me preface this by saying this, um, a few months ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this podcast. Uh, I should probably learn the rules so I can speak intelligently with these people that have been doing this almost as long as I've been alive. Um, and I went to look to sign up. And I'm in Ohio, so I go there and I sign up and then there's just no classes. Just, there's none. And I've told this to some people that matter and I, I think they're fixing it. But on the flip side of that, what does Texas do different to make it easier for someone, like reduce that friction for someone to like sign up, take a class, become an official? What do you guys do? Is it mostly, you know, do they go online and fill something out or? 
what do you guys do? Yes, yeah, several different ways. Uh, even, even though we're a huge state, we are all connected and, and we are one association. So we're not separated into different associations across the state. We do have seven chapters, but even those seven chapters are all part of one organization, the Texas Wrestling Officials Association, and even our state uh, athletic association, the University Interscholastic League, or the UIL, actually runs wrestling and runs all sports and all secondary activities uh, for, for uh, high schools is that uh, it's in their language that they use a Texas Wrestling Officials Association, a TWA official. So if you if you uh, have a, a state-sanctioned event, you will use one of our officials. We are the only shop in town, and we police our own. And so we're, we're very big on staying in touch with our coaches. Um, I'm most prideful of our relationship with the coaching community um, here in Texas. Uh, this, this past weekend, uh, we ran a joint rules clinic with the Texas Wrestling uh, Coaches Association that – we were together as one large group for the first half of the day. We talked about new rules, techniques, uh, tough calls at the state tournament, how we're grouped as officials, how we're selected as officials, coaches' inputs, coaches' evaluations, those types of things. And then the, the second part of the after or the second part of the day in the afternoon, we separated into officials only and coaches only. Again, so this is a great, you know, it's a great example of the relationship we have with the coaches that we are one community. I say all that, Bryce, to say that we get several referrals, whether it's coaches giving us an email address or a phone number of an official or, or uh, officials, especially those who may move into the state and be new to the state, can simply Google Texas Wrestling Officials uh, Association and get our contact page. They put, they put their information in. We route it to the correct chapter, one of seven chapters, and that leadership uh, in that chapter contacts that person and lets them know how to get how to get hooked up whether that's in the middle of March whether that's in June and July in the off season for folk style and collegiate style wrestling or whether that's smack dab in the middle of competition season in in December uh, we reach out to them immediately and get them involved in that obviously from our side we're trying to find that experienced uh, official who may come in from another state from a job transfer or a family transfer or whatever it is and get them on the mat as soon as we can to help us out with numbers because we still do have issues at times where we have to where we can't provide officials to all events just because we're so overloaded with the number of events that are that are there even though we have 285 officials uh, that that are signed up but we've got a lot of officials the amount of wrestling in Texas still exceeds our, our abilities I was on mute. I do that. Um, okay. <laughs> that's a good problem to have, I guess. It's still a problem, right? Um, sure. But uh, the thing I'm going to take from that is if a state as large as Texas with as much wrestling in demand and you have a lot of officials and you're still running into some of the same issues that these other states I'm talking with, but if you can have one association with a chapter model under it and keep communication across this vast state, sure. I mean, it is 2021 we can communicate, we're doing it right now. Like it can be done, you just have to want to do it. But I think that that's a model that other people should maybe look at because it's less clutter and there's less, sure. there's less telephone, right? Like how do you get one message from the governing body to all the associations, right? You can send a mass email, but then they, that goes to someone and they disseminate it one way. It's still telephone, right? Right, right, exactly. But, but if one message is going out, there's a message is a message. Right. For sure. For sure. That's, that's kind of important when you're the keepers of the rules. It's been a successful program for us and we, we've taken it to other states. I know uh, we, we've given uh, we've given our message in Louisiana, in Kansas, in Colorado, you know, other states. And, and then when I travel on the collegiate side, I know there's three or four of us uh, here in Texas that travel on the collegiate side across the nation at times. And uh, that's that's probably the biggest question that I get from any other official across the country is, hey, that's great. What are you guys doing in Texas? How did you get so successful with keeping those numbers and growing your numbers on there? And especially with girls wrestling, it's always about girls wrestling and how are we retaining our officials continuing to move forward, I think is the, is the most questions that I ever get. Yeah, it's always good when uh, people reach out to you for ideas because it says that you're doing sure. something right. And, and also to circle back and, and just tie it all together, uh, earlier you had mentioned sometimes the best thing we can do is like put our ego at the door and uh, it, it just be human. <laughs> I always like to say com comfortably vulnerable. I'm not saying cry or sing kumbaya, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> just open yourself up, be a human. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, if, if we, if you can do that there, like why can't we do it everywhere else? Yeah. If, if we can't put the ego aside, we're, we're not going to be successful. Not at all. All right, man. 
Uh, I got some more questions for you. You still good on time? Sure. Love it. Go ahead. Okay. Let's talk about your first. Uh, we talked about your first wrestling story. You're four years old at the YMCA. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what was your first time on the mat with the whistle around your neck? Like, how did you feel? Yeah. What emotions? Like, okay. Imagine, I, I don't know if you're in a, you know, um, a locker room, a coach's office, the hospitality room or whatever they set you there. Like, what are you sitting down and thinking before the first time you officiate, you know, a match? Sure. And, and, you know, this is going back to uh, 1991. Uh, I, I remember again, David Kincaid, a very successful uh, NCAA official. Many of you may have seen uh, uh, the, the video keep continues to get regurgitated every year or two uh, that, that shows Dan Gable, uh, you know, with Iowa wrestling at Oklahoma state. And there's an official yelling at Dan Gable, um, on the mat, you know, Dan's Dan's upset about a call. This official comes off the mat onto the apron and yelling at Dan Gable uh, at, at Oklahoma State University uh, when I was wrestling Oklahoma State there. That was David Kincaid, kind of a crazy hair, a little bit bald on top, crazy hair, very vocal official. He was all in it. He, again, he was in Does my he have no fear mind. whatsoever. Yes, yeah, like, absolutely zero fear. It was because it, I wouldn't just, say anything mean to Mr. Gable right now. You I, see him on an aerodyne at his age. I, yeah, no, not not at all. Not, I, I wouldn't either. But I, you know, just just no, I mean, it's awesome. That's time, cool. I've seen the video, you know, a hundred times. And I grew up with this with uh, David Kincaid as my official. I wrestled with his son all the way through school. His son was a very successful uh, wrestler as well. And um, and and David took me, he said, hey, I've got I've got a tournament. If you're interested in officiating, come with me. I need some help. Well, I'm sorry. He didn't even ask me if I was interested in officiating. Um, he said, hey, I've got a shirt for you. Uh, get some black pants. Come with me. We're going to Missouri. We went to Central Missouri and uh, called, a, called a tournament, my very first tournament. I didn't even have a rule book at the time. I knew wrestling. You know, I knew, I knew the spirit of wrestling and, and the strategy of wrestling. I uh, stepped on a college mat, and I was, uh, I was blinded by the light, as they'll say. I got caught up in the action. I got too close. I got bumped. I got kicked. I blew calls. Coaches didn't even argue with me because they knew I didn't know. I mean, it was, um, you know, it was, the, it was that type of thing, but that opportunity Bryce showed me as I was driving home as man, I need to get in the rules. I, if I, if I'm going to be successful at this and I really liked it um, and it kept me close to the sport, I needed to get into the rules and find out a lot of these nuances that I had no idea about. And that's, that's where it began. So it started from there. I remember my first, you know, regional tournament. I remember my first state tournament. I remember coming to Texas, doing the first state tournament. Every time those those uh, those emotions get get uh, tied up again, all the way into my first uh, you know uh, uh, college college uh, qualifier. You know, regional qualifier for the national tournament, and then my first NCAA tournament. You know, as a, a D three level, uh, got to the NCAA tournament, got selected, and uh, got, and then uh, you know, as you're probably as most officials are aware. On the NCAA level, when when you call a tournament and you come down to ten weights, there's only ten finals. So if you get selected for a finals match, you are in essence one of the top ten officials there at the tournament, and and uh, was selected for NCAA finals matches. And so, even though I was a very seasoned uh, high school and college official at that time, and I've called thousands of matches at the college level, and and I what I considered would be very successful at least on the D two D three level, my first NCAA final. I remember every every piece of it. It was nervous. You know, they're putting a microphone up your shirt, you know, before the finals matches and, and telling you where the cameras are. We've got three cameras located around the mat. Make sure you stay out of the way of these cameras if you want the camera to help you during a replay situation. Where's your assistant? Okay, here's your assistant from another state who you may have called a couple of matches with at the tournament, but you're not totally comfortable with where he's going to be during that match, how you're going to communicate. So all of these things, even though a seasoned official has done it a thousand times. Every level that you step up, those butterflies come back. You get nervous. You try to go through your mechanics. Okay, stay back, stay loud, hold my calls longer, rotate my signals, make sure that everybody sees them, stay patient, let it burn. Don't make the call too fast. It's better to be a half a second late than it is a half a second early and awarding points. All these things, you just go through them over and over as a checklist in your head. And I'm able to give that to brand new officials and tell them the same thing. And so, yes, very vivid memories of several of those steps in my career that we try to pass on to new officials in our in our mentoring going forward. That's awesome. So just the, the emotions kind of would you compare it at all to like when you were a competitor? Uh, even even more so when, when I was a competitor, I was uh, 
you know, of course I wanted to win, right? You wanted to win as a competitor and you wanted to help your team out and, and, and those types of things. Um, it, it, in officiating, it's, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple sides of this. So let me see if I can explain it correctly. There's a couple sides of this is, is one, one set of officials wants to be totally silent, not seen, not heard of. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows your name when you leave the arena. And I hope I escape out of this with no problems at all. And, and I'm not even noticed. The other side of officials are kind of the opposite. I want every drama. I want every tough call. I want it to come down to one second left on whether I make a stalling call that may give another opponent a point to, and, and the match is over on that or the match is tied to go into overtime. They want, I, I want, they don't want to decide the match. That's the wrong thing to say, but they want, they want to be able to be the decider of the drama and, and make the decision in a very, very tough match. They, you know, they want to to rely on their their expertise and their experience to be able to keep a sanity and a sameness to the match uh, that that we're that we're hired to be able to do. And not that they're trying to create the drama, but they but they they like that intensity. They like that adrenaline to be able to do that. I fall somewhere in between. I'm ready for the drama. I'm ready for the tough calls that are there. But at the same time, I want the wrestlers to be totally you know for seven minutes on the NCAA side, uh, you know, to wrestle their match. And, and, you know, and, um, and nobody has any problems with any calls because the wrestlers have it there versus, you know, an NCAA final that I had, we, we sat for a minute and a half in a scramble situation where I'm holding a call, listening for my assistant to see if he's got anything different. And we're in a takedown, no takedown situation. We're not quite to a stalemate yet because we've got a deep single with an arm trying to come around the hip, but the other wrestler is, is fighting off of his knee and trying from an underhook from the front side that we came out of it with a no control. And I've watched the match a hundred times. I still come up with the same call, thankfully, but those, those type of situations are, are what we live for as an experienced official. And I'm, I'm proud to be on the mat for some of those opportunities for sure. Awesome, man. So you, you just told us about, you know, your first um, time on the mat as an official and some of the most memorable ones. Now I want to get into like two of my favorite questions. And one's because one's ridiculous. Um, but, uh, <laughs> okay. kind of ridiculous. Uh, and let's just go with the ridiculous one. You only live one. Let's do it. Let's do it. What's the best hospitality room? Where is it? Where can I find oh, it? Oh, man. I uh, wasn't, you know what? And I should have been ready for that. I've heard you say it. I've heard you say it on another one, and I should have been ready for it. Um, you put down Wheaton. I, Wheaton, Wheaton is. But okay, so I did put down Wheaton, and let me tell you why we. Um, I, I've had we've had what I would consider maybe better food at places or higher stakes food or whatever. It's got to be the ambience, the food. It's got to be everything. You know what I mean? It's okay, not, right. The, yeah. the the reason why I like Wheaton is it's a small little conference room on the second floor uh, at Wheaton University, and they've got all sorts of snacks in there, and they bring in the same pizza every year, and it's just, the pizza's fine, Coach Greenwald, the, the pizza's great, uh, you know, it's no problem with it, um, but, but it's- Be sure uh, to clarify. You know, exactly, it's, it's not a problem with the pizza or things like that, but what it is, is you get in there, and it's such a small room that you're cramming 12 to 15 officials in there, and, and Bryce, oftentimes these officials are, this is the only weekend every year that I get to catch up with these guys from Iowa, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Montana, Wisconsin, Arizona, you know, all across the country. And so our break times oftentimes, which are maybe 10 to 15 minutes or, you know, the 30 minutes we are before competition starts are the only time in essence that we really have time to catch up, man. How's your kids? How, you know, how's the baby? What do you mean the baby? He's seven years old. Oh crap. You know, <laughs> going through these conversations that you get to catch up with these officials that you've called with all of your career. And, and, and so the time spent in there with the door shut, no coaches, nobody messing with you nobody coming and asking questions, pulling you out. We get to catch up that to me, that is one of the biggest advantages from a personal standpoint that officiating has given to me is a brotherhood and a sisterhood of, of uh, comrades and other officials that we get to share with that and, and then take it out to the mat. And so uh, Wheaton, it just has special memories to me. Fred Feeney again, invited me to the Wheaton tournament. I want to say 11 or 12 years ago, and I've been calling everyone since then and coming from Houston, flying to Chicago, driving to Wheaton, and calling that tournament every year is, is a highlight uh, of my year. And uh, it just has great memories of that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, 
you went a different route, which I'm glad you did because um, I have a similar kind of feeling about it. Like when I'm a coach, like, you know, it's, it's tough yelling at officials all day, right? And, and hurting cats. <laughs> so I need a good meal. Um, but there's a tournament that I get to work. <clears throat> it's actually, there's two of them. There's like our, our grade school state championship and then our junior high state championship. The food's awesome. Uh, the women volunteers that do it, fantastic. They work their tails off. You know, you're talking like 30 officials and hundreds of uh, tournament workers, right? Sure. But the coolest thing is, it's like the tables are really close together. And so it's like, you can't sit by yourself. You have to pick the seat that's open or else you're just not getting a seat. And you don't want to go around the corner because then you're out where everyone can talk and say, hey, you know, hey, Stripes, I saw you made this call, right? So um, so you pick a seat and you eat your food, but you're not forced, but you're encouraged to have a conversation, right? Which sure. is cool because not everyone likes to do that, right? Um, and just this last year, I'll tell you what's the coolest thing. I didn't even eat my sandwich. I was, I was hungry too. Um, but, uh, there's a table and I'm from Ohio. So St. Ed's is, it's the pinnacle. Um, you know, whatever, but anyhow, uh, so I'm sitting, I look over, you know, I look over to my left and I hear some familiar voices and like, it's the St. Ed's table man. and these dudes are cool, like good, really good people. And then the, there's the legend, Greg Urbis. He's the coach of St. Ed's. I mean, I think he's got more state titles than I've been, than years I've been alive. I don't know. <laughs> um, and he's just sitting there just listening and everyone's talking and, and then he, he'll be quiet and he'll say something, but you get to observe this stuff. And then I'm like, Hey man, how you guys doing? You know, great job this year. Cause it's two weeks after they just won their unteenth one. And then right. you're after that. And it's just like, man, you know, these people put their their pants on one leg at a time like you know like yep it's cool and it is a family and it's you know wrestling's stressful sometimes so like when you can just be hidden and and you know have a have some food and then talk to some brothers that you're only going to see once a year like you said right exactly um if you don't appreciate that then you got to like kind of reevaluate your priorities right because that's the good stuff that, that's so. it sure no you're, you're right there, there have been tournaments that i've gone to that you just don't have any inter interaction time at all and that's that's just not of interest to me. My, my interest is, is connecting, connecting with officials, meeting new officials, sharing stories, and then trying to match up, uh, you know, on a calendar date in the future. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's get to the, let's get to the big ones. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to let you go. I'm taking a lot of your time, man, but if sounds uh, good. it sounds like you've got this question, not sounds like you've got this pretty much under wraps, but I think we can all get better at it. You know, obviously, like you said, Texas needs to figure something out because there's high demand. Sure. What ideas do you got to get more young people interested in officiating? We, we've got, to, we've got uh, to get younger officials coming in is we've got to make sure that we break through to the high school coaches. The high school coaches are our conduit to those, like you mentioned earlier, uh, earlier in the cast, uh, the, the, uh, we've got to break through to them so, so that they can get our message across that, hey, no matter what your future is, if you are interested in wrestling at all, you know, there, there's a good opportunity here. First of all, if you're in college or even if you're not going to college to earn some good money, right? Wrestling officiating, especially for a, somebody who's fresh out of high school, it, is, it pays really, really well across the country for doing something that you love. You can either go to go to your job and, and you know, dig a ditch for 10 hours a day, or you can be in an air conditioned or heated gym around a sport that you love. Yes, getting yelled at, um, but, but uh, you know, doing a sport that you love and actually making a difference and getting a good paycheck out of that. And also it opens up new opportunities for you to see how, how far you want to advance in doing something that you love like that. Uh, you know, explaining that to my wife all the time, you know, is that, Hey, I have a second job or I've got a hobby. My hobby actually pays me uh, to do these types of things. And, and um, so, so it's good on that. We've got to get through to the high school coaches so that they can be our mouthpiece for us, whether it's providing them with uh, materials and documents business cards, you know, websites, whatever it is to have people sign it up and even being transparent about the pay scales in your particular state. Hey, here's what the state of Texas pays for a one day varsity tournament. Here's what they pay for a junior varsity duel, those types of things. So that, so that these graduating seniors and, and young, young potential officials can see what type of money. Okay. On a Saturday, I can go earn $225 or, or something similar for doing a one day tournament. How long am I there? Seven or eight hours. You know, what am I doing on Saturdays anyway? I don't know, sleeping late, playing some and video money. games. 
Yeah, I'm exactly. Telling you, when you're money. in college, you're either spending money or making money on the weekends. That's, that's all it is. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And then, hey, if you're willing to be a sponge and open up and listen to some of the mentors, you know, now more opportunities come along with that to see how far you want to advance. And uh, even if they're moving out of state, we all are connected. All 50 states are connected in that if you've got a, a, a wrestler who's interested in officiating, and especially from Texas, we tell them all the time, if you graduate from Texas and you move to Pennsylvania, I will put you in touch with someone in Pennsylvania who can get you involved. If you move to Colorado, California, Wisconsin, it doesn't matter where, we've got contacts in every state. We are all connected to get you in touch with someone um, who can do that, much like they do for Texas. So we, we get constant communications from officials out of state saying, hey, we've got a good graduating senior coming down that, that way. We want, to, we want to get him involved or get her involved in that. And uh, so, so that, that's my, uh, my short public service announcement there, Bryce, is we've got to get to the coaches and provide the coaches with the uh, contact information so that they can give to their, uh, to their athletes and stay involved. Awesome. Thanks, man. That's actually a, a new take. No one's ever, you know, talk, talked about like the steps, right? Sure. Just kind of jump sure. from A to B. And I told you my job is just to get us from the harbor to the other harbor. Gotcha. Uh, I like that. So last question for you, the biggest one right now, I'm going to throw you a oh. curveball. All right. Um, I'm doing this. It's a challenge. You can choose to accept it. If, if, if not, you know, I won't think any less of your Rex, but um we got to do something different. You know, if you keep doing the same things and getting the same results, well, you know what they say about that it's definition of insanity. So we got to do something different. Um, if I were to challenge you or ask you to uh, just add one thing um, to your monthly routine, just do one thing one month that you're not doing right now and that in some way, shape or form promotes um, encouraging. I always keep saying young people. It doesn't have to be young people. People that enjoy right. wrestling like encouraging someone who's not an official to maybe explore becoming an official, even if it's just a click on the website and they drop off, who cares? Right. It, sure. it, how many, it takes six or seven times to make a sale. I'm in sales and they tell me that. So hopefully <laughs> I get to six or seven times when I talk to someone, but would you be willing to entertain the idea of doing one thing? So something 12 times over the next 365 days um, that you intend to, uh, you know, shine the light on what you love to do and you've been doing and doing a heck of a job for. Is that something you could do? I will. Absolutely. And, and uh, as you were saying the question, what popped into my mind is some of the things you said uh, throughout the webcast today in, in that new officials sometimes don't quite have the tools they need to be able to get in contact with the right people. And so as the answers were, were coming out of my mouth uh, five minutes ago of having contacts in every state, Bryce, what, what I will do moving forward uh, from the state of Texas is try to collaborate one single United States contact that that will will provide at least an email address or a contact that anyone across the country, if you're a new official, you hit this, you hit this address, you hit this website. Bryce, even if I put it on your website, we put the link on your website, whatever it is, a Twitter handle, a Facebook page, an email address that if, if no matter where you're at, if you're in Connecticut, if you're in Arizona, you know, if you're in Idaho or if you're in Mississippi, that you're interested in being a wrestling official, um, you contact this one this one email address or this one uh, social media contact, and we will then broadcast that information to whatever state that you are in to make sure that we we put we put A and C together uh, and 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 make the contact. That that's something that that's uh, very interesting to me, and I, and I'll take that on from the state of Texas. Thank you, Rex. You know what? So today. Three people have agreed verbally. So we'll see what happens. I got one more, so maybe we can make it four. Um, not sure where it's going to go. I'll check in with everyone. Man, thank you for your time today. This is fun. Uh, I knew when I talked to you on the phone the first time, uh, you're a high energy guy, and I am too. <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of thankful there's a, like geographic distance between us because I don't know what happened if we got in the same room with all this energy. Sure, sure, sure. But I hope that we can, man. So, um, Gosh, thanks. Uh, do me a favor, stay on. Don't hop off right away. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Um, and I hope that uh, you'll do this again with me. Uh, I'd love to, Bryce. And again, hey, everyone, watch out for Texas wrestling. It's it's taking over the country. It's it's taking over like a storm. So here, here we come. I'm a here fan. Get I'm on the fan. bus with us. I'm new. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, Rex. You got it. Have a great day.